Hey guys, I know this month we're supposed to talk about the future of work, but recently there's been a lot of discussion on our Telegram group about risk. And when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, we don't actually have a framework to understand risk. A lot of us, when we think about risk, right, it is very emotional, very qualitative. Convert got some extreme drama scenario <laughs> and it builds a lot of emotions in us. And in that sense, we don't actually know how to look at risk from an objective manner. This results in our inability to manage our investments, allocate our resources, and make decisions in our life. So yeah, I've decided that we'll interject the theme for the month, and today we're going to spend some time to give you some core understanding about risk, and basically provide a framework to understand risk. Welcome home. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, we're going to spend some time to get a better understanding of risk, get some core basics, and give you some framework so that in the future, it's no longer this highly emotional, big-ass word that people throw around. Risk, 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 risk. Riss, riss, riss. <laughs> so welcome home. When we talk about risk, what comes to your mind? Is it that, oh my god, I'm going to lose my money and go bankrupt in the stock market? Or is it housing prices are going to keep going up and I may never be able to get a house? Or am I going to just work, 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 work here forever and stay single? I know everybody has a different idea, different concern. And when we look at risk, right? Honestly, risk is one of those like... Those, those words uh, that is being thrown out in our society and everybody attaches a different meaning to it, but use it so loosely that, you know, when you think about it, you don't actually know what is risk. You don't actually know what the person is talking about. Words like love, responsibility, they all have similar traits because everybody attach a different meaning to it. They have a different experience that, you know, accentuates their underlying tonality for their word, but nobody can really sit down and help you understand what they are saying. They have no clear definition. There are no frameworks around this. So then what is going on? And to make things worse, huh, I think these days are wow, very chill out. Okay, so um, you have all these people out there and also companies alike. They're not shy of leveraging on our insecurities, our fears, and our inability to understand risk to sell us all sorts of stuff, okay? Uh, of course, the main culprit seems like is the insurance guys, right? Because risk, insurance, risk, insurance, they are kind of synonymous. And yeah, it is fair because uh, essentially insurance is one of the risk management tools out there. But I've repeated myself again and again, the tool itself is 
not a problem. It is pretty amazing that in this century, we could outsource whatever things, whatever risk that we don't want into someone else. We pay them a price. They're willing to take it up. But the problem is how much do we understand in this process? And are we paying a fair price for it? Are we overpaying? And are there other tools that are more effective and better? All those kind of stuff. This is a rabbit hole. We're not going to this today. Uh, we can discuss this as we go along, which we have been doing all these kind of stuff, which is great. There are also other people that are leveraging on this, you know, like your investment guys, property, big ticket items like essentially your automobile and whatnot, they will sell you based on a lot of high-level concepts, right? Oh yeah, this is a lower risk product, you know, this is like risk neutral and you know, we are leveraging on the market, blah, 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 all those kind of stuff, which honestly, you don't understand. It's like, I tell you all the feature of what is in an iPhone, right? You'll be like, huh? Can use you how? You don't understand what's going on. And I'm not saying that I can give you that pure understanding in two episodes, but I'm going to try to give you some frameworks so that the next time you have a better discussion with these guys, it's not just like, oh, 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 oh okay, I sign like that, okay? So in today's episode, we're going to focus on some core understanding of risk and give you some framework so that you at least can grapple this idea of risk in your head. I kind of know what is going on, even if you cannot actually calculate and de-risk yourself and all those kind of things. At least you know what to ask and get a good understanding. You know, when you talk to all these people, they're throwing this word risk, 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 risk around. And next week's episode, we're going to focus on uh, three major risk factors that retail investors should be concerned about when they're investing in the market. The reality is uh, everyone is throwing the word risk around and everybody means a different thing. And so what kind of risk should you actually care? Because as a retail investor, you have certain objectives and that would highly differentiate what kind of risk matters to you. And so to begin this discussion, I need to first define risk. Like, what is risk? And I realized through my understanding and research is that there are multiple ways to do this. There are different models to look at risk. And I've picked the one that I feel is the simplest to understand and uh, probably a great start for all of us. And that is the definition by ISO 31000 Risk Management Manual. Okay, so... How they define risk is risk is the effect of uncertainty on objectives. Essentially five words. Effect of uncertainty on objectives. So there are two key words here, right? Uncertainty and objectives. And if you think about it, what does that mean? It means that risk cannot exist in a vacuum, okay? There must be a basis and you must frame it from a context of your objective, Okay, so to give you an example, okay, we want to speak human, huh? So let's say tomorrow I want to go cycle with some friends. Or let's say I want to go cycle with our favorite friend Xiaoming. Then the weather suddenly matters now, okay? Hence, the risk of rain becomes a thing. If I didn't want to go and cycle, then weather conditions do not matter to me. So there was no objective. And the other thing that you should realize is that not all uncertainties matter. It is because I want to go cycle with my friend Xiaoming that the risk of rain becomes a thing, right? The weather conditions become something I need to be concerned about. But whether or not our other friend Xiaohua go shopping and go eat barbecue or whatnot, ain't no shit's gonna happen, does not concern us. So we need to recognize that we must have a clear objective when we are looking at risk and we must know what kind of uncertainties matter within it objective because the reality is there are all sorts of uncertainties in this world and not all of them matter. There are probably only a handful of them that has a bigger impact on our objective. Hence, clarity on your objectives matter. And if we sidetrack a little bit into the personal finance space, right, this is also why I'm not supportive of people committing to insurances, investments, or complex financial products until we have figured out some sort of idea of what is the life I want. 
And that is not to say that, you know, I don't understand compounding. I don't understand like life insurance gets more expensive if we start later. I don't understand that property prices will keep going up as density in Singapore goes up. I get it. We'll be talking about it for 100 episodes. But the idea here is that if your objectives are not clear, that means you don't have some sort of clarity at least for the medium term of your life. You don't know what you're going for. Then everything is a risk and everything sounds very risky, okay? And borrowing a famous saying, if you aim at nothing, you will hit everything. <laughs> By the way, while I was researching for these two episodes, um, I did watch a lot of video from Risk Doctor video on YouTube. So if you want to find out more, head over to YouTube to learn more from him. And with that, the first core understanding of risk that I want you to understand is that not all risks are bad. Risk actually has direction because if you think about it, based on this framework where risk is defined as effect of uncertainty on objectives, the effect essentially is a variation from what is expected, right? Which means it can be positive or negative. If today, let's say my goal is to get 50 marks and finally pass my Chinese exam, right? If I spend more time with a friend that is great at Mandarin, let's say Xiaohua, great at Mandarin, it increases my probability and my chances of doing better and I can potentially outperform my expected objective. If I spend more time with Xiaoming, the guy that I cycle with and his Mandarin suck, right? Then it increases my risk factor of underperforming my objective. And to further distill that example, my objective is to pass my exam, right? Pass my Chinese exam, get 50 marks. And my risk factors are time spent with Xiaoming and time spent with Xiaohua. In this example, of course, there are other risk factors like whether do I study at home, whether do I go out to the arcade, and all those things are different factors that will affect the uncertainty of my objective. But just in this example, my two risk factors are time spent with Xiaoming and time spent with Xiaohua. So in that sense, risk has direction and depending on what we do, it is not all good or all bad. So if you put it in a more personal finance kind of example, right? there's one risk that's being thrown around a lot and it's pretty fair. We'll talk about this next week in more detail. But just for today's example, Forex, foreign exchange rate risk is something that is really talked about and that is pretty good because if you think about it, Forex is one of those classic examples where it can go up or it can go down. So it can affect you positively or negatively. It is not all bad. And to measure these risk factors, there are two broad ideas. Number one is frequency and probability. How uncertain is it, right? How are the chances of this thing happening and affecting our objectives? And number two is the potential impact, essentially the magnitude of this thing. When it happens, when scenario A happens, scenario B happens, scenario C happens, how is it going to affect our objectives? And so positive risk can be seen as opportunity and negative risk seen as a threat. And in that sense, every risk factor will have some sort of probability factor attached to it and some sort of potential impact factor attached to it. And if we bring it back to the example of Forex, foreign exchange rate risk, what a lot of people do in the finance space is they will hedge the downside, right? The beautiful, amazing, spiritual word of hedging. Uh, we'll talk about this in another episode. But the idea is they will try to remove their negative risk. But nobody removes the positive risk. But actually, foreign exchange rate risk can move in a direction that's positive to you. So in that sense, the general idea is people want to remove their downside, eradicate that threat, and amplify their upside. So amplify the opportunity. 
And with that, I want you to be able to see risk in a more neutral light. That it's not all bad, okay? It can stage from the same thing like exchange rate movement, but it can be positive, it can be negative. They, you know, not everything is as clear cut as, oh, this is good or that is bad. And if we think about it, right, it's highly dependent on your objectives. And for a lot of portfolio managers out there that are using the modern portfolio theory idea of creating consistent returns over an extended period of time, which we have talked about this in the early episode, I think episode 76, 77, you can check it out. Then to them, volatility is a problem, right? Because too much volatility will not allow them to have consistent returns over an extended period of time because that is their objective. But if that is not your objective, then volatility may not even be a risk anymore. Like Buffett say, volatility is rubbish. It's not a way to manage risk or measure risk in the stock market because he is a value investor and he has a different way, different objective to go about investing in the markets, right? And of course, some traders, they actually love volatility while more volatile, more movement. I can play around with my technical strategies and whatnot, right? So depending on your objectives and depending on how you look at the risk factors, they can benefit you in different, different ways. And when people in the financial world use risk, right, they actually use it in a very neutral fashion, not in the very emotional storytelling way we retail people understand risk. So we bring it back to the same idea where risk is the effect of uncertainty on objectives and depending on the different risk factors, a lot of them actually have directions and they move. They can move up, they can move down and affect your objectives in different fashions. So not all of them are bad. Which brings me to point number two, and that is not all threats, which is negative risk, are avoidable, but you can probably transfer or reduce the risk factors. And we will talk a little bit more about this after word from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So when people think about threats and negative risks, one of the first questions that they will have is, can this be avoided? Can we kill the risk? Can we remove this thing? Ha ha, that's the question. So I'm going to borrow an example to help me elaborate this idea, right? So let's say you want to make 10% a year on your investment returns. Right? You want to do that 30-year, stay invested, long-term kind of idea and retire with some uh, Tai Tai vibes, right? So retire well, you know, have a pretty decent retirement fund. I would say that you almost guarantee have to be in the stock market somehow to get that kind of returns, okay? Unless you have some sort of special skill. So I'm throwing aside all the special skills, like you have a skill set that's super in demand, you're paid very, very well and you can compound that over time. Or you have some sort of ability to flip properties or you know how to execute options, you know how to pick your stocks and you do a very high performance, you do it very well, etc, etc. If, if you don't have some sort of amazing miracle ability to <laughs> produce very good returns, Based on statistics, you will have to be in the stock market to get about 10% a year for 30 years. So essentially, the volatility risk of the stock market is unavoidable to you. You cannot avoid it if that is your goal. But you can reduce it and a lot of people recommend this using the whole like bond, stock, 60-40 balancing way to reduce the volatility of the stock market. 
And I'm not saying you must do this. I've explained this in decent fashion in the earlier episodes of how to build your own portfolio. You can check it out. But the idea here is that based on your objectives, some of these risks are unavoidable. You have to take on this risk, but there are ways to go about, you know, managing and responding to this risk. I'm going to share with you the four ways to go about responding to negative risks, aka threats. And number one is, of course, risk avoidance, killing the threat altogether, right? And that would mean that you totally don't participate in it. So in that sense, you very much have to take a different way to go about achieving your objective or totally change your objective. So in the case of, let's say, I want to go cycle with Xiaoming, right? And I'm afraid of the risk of raining, right? I'm afraid of the risk of the weather. Then I can don't cycle, Okay, then I change my objective, the, this risk no longer matter, or I can ask Xiaoming to cycle with me indoor, like Peloton or something. Wow, you know, go spin class and whatnot. Then the risk of rain don't really matter anymore. So you, you get the idea, we have to change, uh, totally change the way to achieve the objective, or maybe even tweak the objective. So it can be pretty extreme um, in the pursuit of risk avoidance. And the other way is risk transfer, aka outsourcing your risk. And the personal finance space is a very classic thing called insurance, right? Essentially, you're outsourcing the financial risk of being critically ill or being disabled to some other party. So in the case of loss of income, they will replace your income. But I just want to clarify that no matter how much insurance you're buying, it's not going to reduce the risk of you being disabled or reduce the risk of you being critically ill. That does not change the stuff, okay? Because your risk factors of being critically ill is what you eat, what you do, how you manage your stress, okay? So if you want to reduce your risk of being critically ill, you got to change your diet, change the way of life, change your way of stress management, not buy more insurance. The insurance only cover the financial risk, the financial possible financial impact if the critical illness comes onto you, knocks your door. Okay, I think that that's some clarity that we need. Uh. So don't don't keep buying insurance and say, ah, yeah, I can anyhow eat. Okay, <laughs> it's very very weird, you know, um, but people do that, uh. And the third way is risk reduction, essentially reducing the probability and reducing the potential impact of the risk factor. And in the personal finance world, generally this idea of diversification is trying to reduce the risk of concentration because you don't want to have one or two tools only in your you know, financial setup. And if something happened to that tool, it's going to affect your overall portfolio and it's going to kill your objective, right? So a lot of people promote diversification in the pursuit of reducing concentration risk. We'll talk about that next week. The last one is, of course, risk acceptance. Just accept it, law. Because sometimes this risk, you cannot adjust. No matter what you do, it's very hard for you to mitigate it. So just be observant, recognize it, wait and see. And if something happens, you can revisit your risk management strategy. Which brings me to my third core understanding of risk. And that is, a problem is not a risk, it causes risk. Okay, sounds a bit like a wordplay, but let me clarify. Because we define risk as the effect of uncertainties on objectives, we even go to the extent of attaching a probability factor and a potential impact factor on this risk. What we are saying is, these things have not happened, you know. And we're trying to measure when it happens, how is it going to affect our objectives? objectives and that's why they are called risk factors. So foreign exchange rate risk is a risk factor. It has not happened. It can potentially move up, can potentially move down and how will that affect our objectives? You, you get the idea? But problems already happen. It's here already. So essentially, if we have to define problems, problems are effects of certainties on objectives. It is already here. How do we solve this? 
So how does a problem then cause risk? Let me give you an example, okay? So there is a high level of employee dissatisfaction. Everybody poking each other in the office, very unhappy with each other. What does this do? This is the problem, right? The problem is high level of dissatisfaction. What is the risk? It increases the risk of talent loss because a lot of people are unhappy. Maybe people will live, right? So it increases the risk of talent loss. That is one thing. But if let's say a lot of people start quitting, now talent already lost, they have left. So we have high level of talent loss is already a problem. It happens. What does it increase the risk factor of? It increases the risk factor of a potential project delay. You get the idea? Of course, this example is extremely simplified. But the major idea here is that a problem is something that has already happened. A risk is something that can potentially happen. So uncertainties versus certainties. And why is it important to see them differently? There is this thing called the risk problem cycle, okay? Which is what I've pointed out in the earlier example, right? Where a particular problem of high employee dissatisfaction increases the risk, increases the probability, increases the impact of talent loss. And now talent loss happens. So the risk factor became a problem. So now this problem of increased talent loss will then increase the risk factor of another thing, which is the potential project delay. So it becomes a risk, problem, problem, risk, risk, problem, problem, risk cycle. It never ends. Ha-ha. So that is a very big problem. <laughs> and so in order to break this cycle, you have to manage risk. Because problem is not negotiable. It already happened. This is a problem. We need to solve it. But to break the cycle, we have to learn to reduce risk factors, right? Which are uncertainties that matters, like essentially, they have not happened and we don't want them to happen. We want to reduce the chances and reduce the impact if, say, they happen. So to borrow the earlier example of trying to make 10% a year on our capital for 30 years, so 10% investment return year on year, what are some problems that we will face? Okay, some problems are, let's say, the bond market, you know, does not give that kind of yield. SG stock market's not growing like that. Property market not growing like that. Okay, if let's say property market grew at 10% year on year. What revolt, huh? Interest rates are very low and whatnot, right? So all these are the features of the reality. This is what's happening. So these are the problems. And if you can solve problems, you can achieve your objectives, right? So what is your solution? One of your potential solutions may be to invest in the US stock market. So using this solution, you will be able to achieve your objective. Assuming history repeats itself, not recommending you to invest in the US. Using it as an example to elaborate the case. Huh? So 10% year on year, local markets not giving you the kind of returns. This is your problem. Your solution, go and invest in the US. But what are the risk factors when you invest in the US? A few will be foreign exchange rate risks, right? Because the US exchange rate is volatile. It will move because it's not your home currency. You live in Singapore. The other is higher volatility than the Singapore markets. Do you Can you embrace higher volatility within your portfolio, right? So then how do you go about doing it? You manage the risk with different, different strategies, right? And all these, we will talk about it in the next episode. But the idea is you need to be able to see the difference between a problem and a risk. So manage risk, solve problems. It is very different. And in that sense, problems are not negotiable.
Okay, because they are already here, it already exists, you have to solve it to meet your objectives. But in the pursuit of meeting your objectives, there are all these other risk factors that you can manage. So I want you to be able to see them in different light. And if I'm able to see them separately, you have a lot more clarity as to what to do with some of these things. Because like I said, problems already happen. So solve the problem. Risk is uncertainties, right? Potentially will happen. Reduce the risk. Solve the problem respond to the risk, okay? With that, I'm going to sum up the three core understanding of risk that I believe you should have. Number one, it's not all risks are bad. Risk actually has direction because we define risk as effect of uncertainty on objectives. There are actually a lot of factors that can move two ways. One of it is Forex, right? Foreign exchange rate risk. It can move up and it can move down. So it can be positive or it can be negative. So it is not all bad. Number two, it's not all threats are avoidable, but you can transfer, reduce, or maybe just accept it because some things you just can't do anything about it but at least be aware so once you're aware you can create contingency plans and see how things work and review from there number three is that a problem is not a risk it causes risk for like a better way to put it problem is not negotiable you cannot negotiate the problem you have to solve it but in the process of solving depending on what solutions you use to try to achieve that objective there are all these risk factors that you have to work with so solve the problem respond to the risk by trying to reduce the impact reduce the probability so yeah i hope that gives you a much better understanding i hope you learned something useful today see ya something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any other interesting thoughts to share or know someone you want to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thepeninsulcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, sustainable for all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Woohoo! Okay, that was a pretty fun episode. It gave me a lot more clarity about risk also in the pursuit of trying to explain it. So that's great. And later this week, we are also interjecting with the chills uh, to talk about NFTs, right? Because I think NFTs is something that a lot of people want to hear about. And um, so far, I think I found a great guy, some guy that I met on the fellowship with on deck uh, to come on, Ruben, to talk about NFTs. So he will give us a much clearer 
explanation about what is going on. And in that sense, if you love him, stay tuned because we are planning to run a crypto podcast on the site. Um, and let's see where this brings us. For next week, I will spend some time to share with you um, three risk factors that I think retail investors should look out for and how to manage it or some of the best practices that people use to manage these risk factors. So yeah, I think uh, we're growing very well. So keep supporting us. I'll see you around. Take care. Bye.